I always feel like I overpack. <laughs> One of these days, of I'm course. like, I'm gonna get that perfect, that perfect amount of like clothes and whatnot. <laughs> but we're truly going day to night. Do you remember the old like, you can yep. do this day to night? And I didn't really recognize the importance of that until I went to CSM, and I'm like, oh. This is day to night. Yeah, it really is. Well, and especially like they have the running club at six in the morning. So you're going to go for a run, go back to your hotel, get changed into your conference clothes, do conference all day long. Then you have to meet with your business, you know, special interest group or your company or your university or wherever. So you want to dress a little nicer for that. And then, oh, by the way, you got to get to dinner and you're trying to impress your potentially next employer so you want to dress to impress for that and then by the way you got to sneak in a headshot somewhere you really do need to have multiple options and multiple layers so whatever your base layer is have a blazer that can go over top of it or something that can kind of spruce you up and something that can kind of casual you down oh and by the way we're in Boston so it's probably gonna snow one of these days so have a jacket like you I don't think you can get away without coming with at least two suitcases I'm just saying (laughs) that's my that's what I've been is two suitcases I have yet to get below that and I've tried everything (laughs) possible and I cannot get below that it just it is what it is Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the first episode of the PTA Plus podcast in 2024. Today, we are talking about the four P's to prepare yourself for combined sections meeting. Uh, We brought on our experts guest, Casey Dennis, to break down everything that you need to know in order to be ready to go to combined sections meeting in Boston, Massachusetts, coming up here in a couple of weeks. So we are excited to break it all down. We are talking about everything from what to pack, what to do for breakfast and coffee, how to pick out your programming, to presenting. Um, And we are hopeful that maybe someday here in the future there's going to be more PTAs who are willing and ready and able to present at CSM. So let's get today's show started. Hey Casey. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great, how are you? Doing wonderful, getting ready for conference and all the things CSM related. Exactly, yeah, and that's why you and I are talking today. Um, You are presenting at CSM, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, uh, we've been connected in the past through other things. You were in the PTA caucus for the state of Arizona, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so that's how I think we met. Uh Uh-huh, going to House of Delegates and all of those events is how we kind of connected and met with each other and just seeing each other year after year at different places. Yeah. But honestly, I think the first time that I um, actually heard your name was whenever you were on a podcast. I believe you were on a <laughs> podcast and I was like, whoever Casey is, she needs to be my friend right away. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I was really excited to go on to PT Pintcast. Um, I think that was like my first step into it. And there was, I look back at it and I'm like, oh, I probably could have worded that a little better, but you live, you learn you present, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. I've been on a couple of podcasts, um, not, not a whole lot, but I've been on a couple other podcasts before. And, you know, listening to yourself back, it's always like cringy. You're like, oh man, I wish right. I would have said that different or just hearing your voice. Um, and, which is weird because I don't like to hear my voice and here I am doing this, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, exactly. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Casey, tell our audience who you are. I'm Where Casey. Where you Yeah, I'm Casey Dennis. I am a physical therapist assistant from Arizona. So I'm born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, grown up here. I love it. I always say that I am a lizard by nature. So anywhere else, I just don't survive. I need the hot desert. Um, I've been a PTA for about 10 years now, and I started in outpatient orthopedics. And I always knew I wanted to get into education. So I've just been making career choices to get me there. So I worked in an outpatient orthopedic clinic to get my clinical experience. Then I went into a university-run clinic and kind of got their clinic up and running. So I got to bounce between clinical patient care, but I also got to get into um, kind of guest lecturing and teaching. And it was actually that job that opened my eyes to the APTA and becoming an APTA member, which led me to be a PTA caucus rep and going through all of those things. I was also the Centennial Scholar for the APTA for Arizona um, the year that it started. Um, and now I'm in um, education completely. So I, I went into PTA 
program as a director of clinical education and I did that for a little while and I just recently like three weeks ago promoted to a program director over allied health and online programs so it's not exactly in PTA anymore but it's it's over allied health and my intention is that um, I've gone back to school I'm working on my doctorate now so uh, doctorate in education and that plan is to go back to be program director or dean over PTA or specialty programs, or maybe even break into the PT, DPT education is the goal. Yeah, yeah, that's great. A lot of um, crossover on some of those things that you were talking about to some of the things that I've um, dipped my toes into in yeah. um, the most recent uh, few years. So congratulations on the new role. That sounds exciting. Thank you. Um, yeah. Lots of opportunity there. Um, but what I like most about your story is that there were things that you said yes to that mm -hmm. maybe had you had not said yes to, um, these opportunities maybe not would not have come to your, your door. Um, so I yeah. appreciate that you were able to kind of make that jump and, and take that leap. It's always uncomfortable. Yeah. It is. And it was scary because I think when you're first starting out, you're never sure if the juice is going to be worth the squeeze. Like, where does this end up for me? Um, and I can tell you that there was times when I thought that and it ended up working out for me in the end, even though I couldn't see it in the in the beginning of it. And you just had to kind of trust that what you were doing was going to work out and that you had to logic through the steps. So um, making the necessary, like I said, right now, I'm not in anything related PTA and I you, you question if this was the right move, but I also know that this is the next step to show my success in this capacity to get me to the next place, which is where I actually want to be. So sometimes mm -hmm. you have to take a little sidestep or um, something to get you where you want to go. Absolutely. And sometimes it doesn't always make sense to other people. I remember when I um, had just finished my bachelor's degree in business management. So I already had my PTA um, degree, license was working, wanted to finish my bachelor's degree knowing I wanted to kind of break into something different, not knowing fully it was going to be education at that time. Um, but I knew I wanted to step into some kind of a leadership role. So I started doing anything I could to build those leadership skills. Now, when I tell you this, you you might think, or somebody in the audience might think, like, that's crazy, why would you do that? But um, I picked up coaching roles at our local high school. I was coaching cheerleading. Um, I started doing um, planning for our church's nursery. So I was doing, like, schedule planning. Um, we go to a fairly large church. So that's a lot of people. Um, I started doing, uh, like, patient satisfaction surveys for our physical therapy department, but it was those little steps that were building leadership skills down the road that maybe at the time didn't make sense to somebody else, but it all added up and gave me additional skills. A hundred percent. And that's exactly like, and when we get into all this conversation too, that's what I, I kind of preach is you can't stay in your own echo chamber because I think that's where um, a lot of PTAs maybe get stuck is they stay doing PTA clinical care work and there's nothing wrong with that. And those, those develop those skills and that's fantastic, but you have to start taking on additional work and additional projects to show that you are capable and willing to handle more things, which is how you get the leadership role, the DOR position, the whatever, to break into those next higher paying, better jobs. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, you do. And wherever you can get it is the best thing it, because that's what people are looking for is those crossover and skills that you're a well-rounded person that you can handle all different types of things and not just staying in one path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be directly related to that um, physical therapy or whatever it is that you're doing, um, but you just have to take those those little, like you said, it might feel like a sidestep or um, an additional thing at that time, but it all does build up. So I love that you brought that up. Um, so next question for you. What makes you a PTA plus? Um, the whole premise of this podcast is that we are so much more than just a PTA or just a physical therapist or whatever it is. So fill in the blanks. Let's hear what you got. Well, I'm going to go a little um, differently with this and and because we are more than just PTAs. And so with that, I am a human, right? So a PTA plus, I am a mom, a wife, 
um, a church member. I am a community service representative. I do um, a representative for my association. I've got certifications in a lot of different things. I'm an educator. Uh, I was a centennial scholar. I am a researcher because I'm, like I said, I'm going through my doctorate right now. Like, I'm all these things and I can have all these things and I can keep my sanity. So that's what makes me a PTA plus is I'm, you can do a lot with the PTA and you are not just a PTA. Absolutely. You got to be willing to just look past that just a yeah. little bit, just to see what's beyond that, that physical therapist assistant title and license and just kind of explore. So perfect. Yeah. Great PTA plus topics. So today, um, like I said, we're talking about combined sections meeting in particular. However, we can apply this to just about any conference, um, physical therapy related or whatnot. But um, some of my work that I'm doing with the PTA Council, um, and I know that myself personally, when I first started going to combined section meeting at conference, I was clueless. I didn't know what to do. Um, I just kind of showed up and just um, took it all in, but I wish that somebody would have given me some tips and hints uh, before I left that maybe would have made that a little bit easy, easier yeah. on me. So we're going to talk about the four P's of combined section meeting preparation or um, conference preparation um, today, and those are presence, people, programming, and presenting. Um, so presence, we're calling it different than presenting. So like two different things yeah. here. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the first one, presence. Um, and I know this sounds like such a, a stereotypical question, but like, what do, what do you wear? <laughs> like, what are you wearing to conference? Yeah. I think the, um, the number one tip that you have for what are you wearing and, and doing conferencing is professional, but comfortable. Um, almost always the conference rooms or the, um, wherever it's being held is, can either be sweltering, sweating hot, or it is absolutely freezing cold. <laughs> and there's really not an in-betweener. And a good chunk of that has to do with how many people are in the room and how big the, the audience is to make that weather warmer or, or colder. Um, but yeah, you do want to be professional. You want to, you know, this is a business. This is a networking event. You still want to treat it like you're working and you're connecting with other people. So you want to present yourself professionally. Um, oftentimes at these conferences, you'll see uh, business casual. Some people get really dolled up into their business suits and their skirts and their blazers and full on suits and everything like that. Some people are a little more casual where it's like their khakis that they would wear at clinic or, you know, a polo shirt, something of that nature and bring a sweater along. What I will say is I would not recommend wearing the high heels for ladies. Um, or guys, your loafers or anything, you know, shoes that are not really meant to be walked in for any length of time. You could probably, if you're bringing a backpack, I would say definitely bring a backpack and store those. Um, but you definitely want comfortable shoes. In these large conference centers, you are bouncing from one end to the other and going out for lunch. There's no like food on site typically. So you're leaving to go get food and come back and because Uber is backed up or cabs are backed up, you're walking a mile, a mile and a half, you have to get back to your hotel. There's just a lot of walking. And if you don't have the proper footwear, you will have blisters halfway into the first day and then you're miserable for the next four days. So footwear is really, really important. Um, and like I said, backpacks are great because you can kind of keep that extra change of clothes so that when you're going from your conferences to your business, dinners that night or going out, you don't have to make so many pit stops back at your hotel room. Yeah, because your hotel might not be connected to the convention center or <clears throat> wherever it's being held. Um, right. And I cannot um, emphasize how much, uh, how important it is for you to wear proper footwear because um, if you're staying off-site and your hotel is a mile or two away and you're planning on walking, which we're going to be in Boston this year, I don't know how many yeah. people are going to want to like walk back and forth, but Right. When we were in California, um, I walked everywhere. Um, yeah. A couple miles, uh, you know, from to and from. So, yeah, definitely um, footwear is super important. And I love the backpack idea. I always yeah. bring a backpack with me and I stuff all kinds of things in there. I would also recommend, like, you always, you also want to bring a couple of 
nicer outfits because especially at CSM, they have a professional headshot photo shoot um, available for you. So if you want to get your headshot done, you want to obviously dress a little bit nicer for that and be um, looking your best. So it, it is good to have nicer outfits. There's also a lot of dinners and kind of, I don't want to call them gala events, but they're sort of on that borderline of gala events that you maybe weren't intending on doing, but somebody gave you an invitation to it last second and you need to jump into it. Um, and so you want to be able, you don't want to be in your like clinical scrubs or your clinical khakis and a polo shirt to go to these nicer dinners um, and things like that. So I always keep a nicer outfit to go with or options of a nicer outfit and then some more casual where I know like I'm just being going to be in classes all day today and then afterwards I'm going back to the hotel room. I don't need to get fancy. Yeah, that's great advice. Good advice. I always feel like I overpack. <laughs> One of these days of I'm course. like, I'm going to get that perfect, that perfect amount of like clothes and whatnot. <laughs> but we're truly going day to night. Do you remember the old like, you can yep. do this day to night. And I didn't really recognize the importance of that until I went to CSM. And I'm like, oh, this is day yeah. to night. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Well, and especially like they have the running club at six in the morning. So you're going to go for a run, go back to your hotel, get changed into your conference clothes, do conference all day long. Then you have to meet with your business you know, special interest group or your company or your university or wherever. So you want to dress a little nicer for that. And then, oh, by the way, you got to get to dinner and you're trying to impress your potentially next employer. So you want to dress to impress for that. And then, by the way, you got to sneak in a headshot somewhere. You really do need to have multiple options and multiple layers. So whatever your base layer is, have a blazer that can go over top of it or something that can kind of spruce you up and something that can kind of casual you down. Oh, and by the way, we're in Boston, so it's probably going to snow one of these days. So have a jacket like mm -hmm. it, you. I don't think you can get away without coming with at least two suitcases. I'm just saying <laughs> that's my that's what I've been is two suitcases. I have yet to get below that and I've tried everything <laughs> possible and I cannot get below that. It just it is what it is. But also yeah. I bring a lot of like um, like I bring snacks like um, breakfast snacks. Oh, I bring 100%. my own coffee creamer with me and I just make my coffee and just eat breakfast in the room before I go. Number one, I don't love to eat breakfast early in the morning. So it's like if I can just take something with me, I can eat it during my first um, programming or whatnot. But yeah. the lines in Starbucks or any other coffee shop are insane. <laughs> That's actually one of my biggest tips. Um, so my husband is coming with me for uh, the first time to a conference of this size. And I, this, this conversation is really kind of um, perfect timing because I'm literally talking him through all of these tips and tricks. Like, okay, we fly in on Wednesday. This is what time we land. Our very first line of business is finding a grocery store or a Walgreens because mm -hmm. we're getting all of your breakfast items, snack items, granola bars, like whatever it is that you need that's going to last you for the next four days because timing will inevitably slip away from you. Mm -hmm. You don't want to stand in the lines that are forever long and be late to your programming. Um, and you also don't want to spend all that money going out to eat all the time. So it's yeah. really in your best interest to go to a grocery store that you can keep in your hotel room if they have a refrigerator or um, whatever, just snacks that you can eat throughout the week. Um, that's like the first line of business mm -hmm. is, is to get you set up. And that's also, you know, preparing for conferences is don't try to do the red eye flight plan accordingly. Like don't try to do half a day of work and then jump on a plane to get out there. I just, I don't know. Maybe that's just because I'm in Arizona and it's such a long travel for me. Maybe if it was a closer, you know, like it was to California was a closer trip. So I did do a half a day at work, but really you want to allow enough time to get in, get yourself settled. That first day, once you get in, is kind of where you can do any sightseeing that you maybe want to hit or, or just get yourself settled because it is early morning, especially if you're doing a, a time change. So for me, it's going to be way earlier. It's going to feel like three or four o'clock in the morning when I go to wake up. So you just want to get your body acclimated and give yourself enough time to arrive. Mm -hmm. Same thing for the day that you leave. I, I tried it and it just was not a good idea to try to hit that last day of programming and you're in programming all day 
and then your flight leaves at two and you got to catch a cab and then you're getting home at 11 or midnight and then you got to wake up for work the next day and your body's on a time shift. So allow yourself enough time for the actual travel piece mm-hmm. of it. That's really well. great advice. I, I have done a red eye flight. My very first CSM was in Las, Las Vegas. And I did a red eye flight in and out and didn't get to see anything. Didn't get to do, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have right. this conversation ahead of time. So I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I was quite miserable. Um, I love your tip about finding yourself like a Walgreens or something. I typically <clears throat> check to see if I can find like a Target that's close by. Even like in your cities, there's typically some kind of like a Target or a, a an H&M or something like that because multiple times I've had to buy a new pair of shoes. I had a pair of shoes break on me one time. I had to pitch them and go get a new um, pair of shoes. And um, one time I uh, ruined a coat on the public mm-hmm. transportation and I had to go get a new coat. I was in Denver. I didn't have a choice. I needed a new coat because I yeah. couldn't go without it. We were out and about and, you know, walking around in that really, um, it was chilly that year. So Yeah. That's, that was my first CSM was in Denver. And I will have to say, too, um, that CSM was fantastic. It really opened up my mind. I mean, first of all, Denver was right before COVID, right before mm-hmm. we shut down. And so I was like, oh, great, traveling. But um, it was a great conference, and it was my first one. And, again, I didn't know what I was doing or anything, and I went by myself. I don't recommend going by yourself. Or um, if you do go by yourself, for whatever reason – finding somebody that you can kind of connect with and yes. and be a battle buddy with throughout mm-hmm. because I remember about day three I was going hard on all the programming I went to every session I went to every meeting I went to everything from seven in the morning till eight nine ten o'clock at night and by the third day I was so burnt out that I remember going back to my hotel mm-hmm. room and just crying and yeah. like looking to see can I just can I switch my flight? Can I go home earlier? Like it was just too much. So you do need to pace yourself when you go to programming um, and spread things out, build in your breaks, be okay with missing Mm -hmm. a a session or two um, because you, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. And Mm -hmm. especially if you're going by yourself, you can feel really isolated even though you're in a sea of 20,000 people. Yes. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's overwhelming sometimes. Yes. So make sure you have a, a, a friend, a partner, a colleague, somebody that you can connect with and lean on just to go to dinner or to lunch Absolutely. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of layers to that as well. Um, and typically I, I have always felt that um, CSM has always been in, in, very safe locations. You know, I've never felt like I was uncomfortable, but knowing that there's a network of people that know where you are and can check in on you or, hey, I'm just jumping in an Uber. And I know there's a lot more safety mechanisms that are built into all of these things now. But, you know, just having a network or group of people that can um, check in with you and whatnot. And if there's one crazy person who wants to go stand in line at the Starbucks and they can bring back coffee for the group, sometimes splitting hotels, that can save on cost. So if you have a group of three or four people that all want to jump in a room together, if you're comfortable with that, but um, that can definitely save on cost as well. But it does kind of give you, like you said, that battle buddy that you're like, hey, I'm going to go to these sessions. You're going to go to these. We'll meet up at this time. It just kind of gives you a layer of it keeps you going, helps you right. discuss information and, and create ideas and whatnot. So that's a good tip. I I agree. Yeah. And and. Yeah, being able to split like there's there's a lot of layers to that to be able to save costs and things like that. So I this is the first year that I'm paying for my conferencing Mm -hmm. every year that I've gone for the last five years, four years, something like that. I've not paid for it. I've used my company employment um, funding where like they give you continuing education credit and I've used it for conferences or as a member of the APTA, um, you get discounts, but also being the PTA reps there, we had it built into our budget that mm-hmm. the PTA reps have the funding to go uh, to all these conferences and things like that. So I've never had to pay for my hotel, my flights, my Ubers, my food, um, the, con- the registration itself. It's, it's all been taken care of by employers. And so if you can find ways to do that, or, you know, if your employer is only willing to pay X amount of dollars and that only covers so much stuff, 
then I start finding the battle buddy who their mm-hmm. company did pay for their Uber. So I'm going to go get in their Uber with them. We're all going to the yeah. same place sure. or, mm-hmm. you know, their company did pay for their hotel. So I'm going to go crash on their couch. Like I don't, it's just a place to sleep for the next two days. It's nothing. Yep. I don't need five stars. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> so yeah. if I don't have to pay for it and I can share a room with somebody, yeah, those are all great ways to, to cut down on your costs and um, make it the most. I also love these conferences and going to conferences like CSM because it takes care of all of my continuing education for my entire licensing period. Yeah. So I don't have to, like, if I go to any other courses, it's because I actually want to learn about that specific thing. But if I'm doing things just to keep up my licensure, because that's what I need is however many credit hours to keep up my license, then I get it all in one spot for a decent price for what it is. And then I don't have to worry about doing any other Con Ed credit. All my certificates are in one spot at the end of it all. And it's really easy to reapply for re, uh, to re-up your licensure at the end of it because it's all right there. Yeah. And I think that that is a um, perfect segue to our next P, um, but that's the people, because not only are you getting um, these continuing education credits, definitely check with your state to ensure that they have approved them, Um, but um, not only are you getting your continuing education and all of this, um, the goods uh, that goes with it, and we haven't even talked about the exhibit hall, um, but you are getting networking, you're getting that people piece that you might not get if you're doing an online CEU or something else. So let's talk about the people. Yeah. What kind of networking tips do you have? Because there are literally upwards of 15 to 20,000 other PTs and PTAs in one spot at one time. Yeah, it's a lot. So um, go in with a purpose and with an intention, right? If you don't have a purpose and or intention of networking, you will meet a ton of people You'll come back with a stack of business cards um, and you'll have no real connection to them or what they offer you or what you even like if you can even remember what you talked about in your meeting, because everybody is eager to hand out their their business card, which is great. But um, so my networking tip is have an intention, have a purpose and follow up with the people that you actually want to communicate with, because um part of part of networking is creating a connection with somebody that you might not need their services or need to connect with them in the exact moment but later down the road you will um and i'll give you a personal example of i used to work at midwestern university and i connected with all those people and and all these things and then i left that university and it was three and a half or three and a half years later that I got a phone call from somebody there that asked me to work on a special project with them as an author to a textbook. Now, mm-hmm. if I didn't network and create that connection with them, I would have never been offered this project. So even though it may not be worthwhile or you don't see the benefit in it in the exact moment, you do want to keep contact with them over time because then they will, that's how projects happen. That's how you, that's how you get into things. Okay. Um, so, you if you're looking for a new job go to all the people who are offering jobs if you are looking to connect on research go to the people who are doing research if you're looking on um, ways to get involved in certain topics like whatever it might be that's who you need to focus your time and effort on because you'll connect and exchange phone numbers with the person sitting next to you in whatever course you're in and that's never a bad thing, right? Having, knowing more people is never a bad thing to expand your network. But if you don't end up following up with them and you don't have an actual common interest, you're really not going to get anything out of it other than, oh yeah, I met that person. They seem nice. Okay. Now I have their business card and I feel guilty throwing it away, but I also don't want to keep it. And now what? So, um, kind of that's, that's my little piece on that. I also, if you are a person who has business cards to um, to send out, I hate traveling with a stack of business cards. I, I end up running out or I end up with this big bulge in my purse or my pocket or my backpack and it's taking up space or it doesn't keep its little container so it goes everywhere. So I, I got a dot card and there's a couple of different brands 
but it's basically like a credit card that um, is like a QR code kind of that you can scan with your phone. It automatically syncs to that person's phone as a contact. It has all your social media handles, your emails, your phone numbers, mm. everything that you have. And it's just a tap on your phone. And now you have one Very card and you can pass it around. And it makes life a little easier. <laughs> that is really great information. This is the first time I'm learning of that. Um, yeah. So out a dot card. Yeah. There's a couple different brands there. And I don't know all of them, but I've seen them. Like it was less than twenty dollars on social media. Um, I think I saw it on an Instagram reel or something. Where, yeah, it's just a plastic card, and I just I kind of tuck it to the back of my phone, or I put it into my lanyard, my my name badge lanyard, mm -hmm. and then whenever I want to communicate with somebody and I want to create that network, I have them scan my QR code, and it automatically saves them as a contact. Um, and I also put in there, so I put my name, of course as a contact, but next to my last name, I usually add something to it to help people remember who you are. Like I said, you're meeting a million different people. Mm -hmm. You got to remember who they are and what their purpose is. So I'll add next to it, PTA Arizona, or I'll say like um, DCE at Brookline College or whatever thing that will help them remember like, yeah. oh yeah, that's, I need to talk to them about whatever. Kickstart that memory. Yeah. 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 That's great advice. So yeah. the, the, now the exhibit hall, we didn't really touch on that, but mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of networking that happens in the exhibit hall. And yeah. um, <clears throat> that was one of the first things that I recognized. Um, that was kind of like the moment that I recognized that I was missing out on so much by not um, offering these kind of opportunities to myself. Um, and by that, I mean uh, the first time I stepped into the exhibit hall at CSM in Las Vegas, I am looking around at this gigantic room thinking to myself, how have I missed this for all these years? It was just not something that I realized like really existed. And I mean, you can connect with so many people. So, and, and that was also probably the first time that I had connection with the PTA caucus as well. Um, is, was in the exhibit hall. I think that I went to um, the APTA desk for something. I can't remember what it was at this point, but they were like, oh, you're a PTA. Well, you know, there's a lot less PTAs that attend combined sections meeting compared to PTs. And so they automatically were like, hey, over there, there's PTA caucus. You should go and connect with them and talk to them. And um, that's kind of what like kickstarted my interest in getting to know these folks that were doing a lot of things that I just didn't even know were happening in the field. Exactly. I just kind of felt like I had missed out on a lot. Right. FOMO, <laughs> fear of missing out. Like I didn't know what I was missing out on, but I was. Yeah. I, I had the same feeling because you walk into that exhibit hall and there's literally hundreds of exhibitors and that can be overwhelming and as well, like all of it can be kind of overwhelming. But again, being intentional with what your focus is on, mm -hmm. I mean, I always walk the aisles because I, like you said, you don't realize what you're missing out on until you see it. Um, mm -hmm. So I walk every aisle of the exhibit halls. Now, of course, like any good exhibit hall, they have all the goodies and all mm -hmm. the giveaways. Um, yes. I mean, I still have a Theracane from, like, I got it for free from the Theracane company and I, you know, all the, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good giveaways, but to your point of um, connecting and networking with people, again, I didn't even know there was a special interest group for this very specific, you know, thing. Um, I didn't know that there was a company that does hippotherapy, which is like horse therapy for, for people. Like, you don't even know that there are companies that, already out, that are already out there. So I bet you, if, to the audience, if you have a thought about like wouldn't it be cool if fill in the blank mm -hmm. I bet you there's a booth for it and I bet you I could bet like right. <laughs> I remember looking I remember going in um I was starting to get really interested in like BPPV and vestibular stuff and all this all these things and I walked past the booth that had a like full-on gyrosphere thing that you could strap a patient in and like whip them around in the gyro. I'm like, what the heck are we doing? Where have I been? Cause I'm like doing, you know, saccades and all the things. I'm like, okay, well I need to, I need to get up on my game now. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and I think that, yeah, it can be overwhelming. There's so much stuff there. I like your tip of just kind of really knowing what it is that you're looking for. Um, mm -hmm. Once you've been registered for CSM, you start to get lots of things in the mail, like, hey, come to our booth, and hey, come to our booth. So you can yeah. kind of narrow down what exactly it is. You can go to their booth number. It's still right. a little hard, and you do need to kind of carve out some time to spend in there you can't just kind of go on a whim otherwise no. you're just going to like walk in you're not going to know what to do you're going to grab some candy from a booth and walk out um exactly. but yeah i've come home with goniometers um all kinds of stickers um as a a, a clinical coordinator i i am um a clinical coordinator as well for yes. a pta program and i find a lot of connections with um, businesses and companies that are either looking to hire ptas fresh ptas um, or mm -hmm. willing to affiliate for agreements for students to come to their clinics. Um, right. So there is a lot of networking from that angle that occurs um, from my perspective as um, what I do, you know, in my everyday yeah. job as well. Um, but yeah, just about anything you're looking for, you're not going to, you're not going to get bored. I've um, lovingly referred to it as the candy shop for um, <laughs> CEUs right. and, um, you know, events. So. Yeah. And again, I think if you walk into the, the, conference hall with that or the exhibit hall with that intention in mind am i looking for to network for a new potential employer am i looking to network for new equipment for my clinic am i looking for um, travel opportunities or clinical placement sites being intentional with because you can get sucked in it, it can get a little sales pitchy if you hit every booth and then mm -hmm. you're sucked into com conversation that you don't really want or care about. And so I would also say that if you go into the exhibit hall, it's okay if you pass up on the free pen that they're giving out. <laughs> it's really, yeah. it's going to be okay. You're going to get a hundred other pens. You can buy yes. pens for $2 and you don't need the logo. I mean, like you can pass up on that bowl of candy. You can pass up the pens. You can pass up the little squish balls and all the swag that they give out. But if it's cool swag or if it's, you know, mm -hmm. stuff that you really are going to use, by all means, go for it. Just recognize that people are trying to draw you into the conversation at their booth to get you to buy something or use something of theirs and get you to be a customer. So um, be okay with saying no, but if that's who you need to talk to, because that's what you need to network with, that's the person you go and plan to spend to 10 to 15 minutes talking to them about what they do and what you can offer and what they offer and um, all those things. So yeah. Check yeah. it out. It's a cool place, but also don't yeah. feel obligated to stop at every single booth. <laughs> yes, definitely have yourself um, a plan when you go in and a plan to plan to get out as well. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you might be there for a little bit. They do close down. Um, They're not open the whole time. But um, right. my favorite piece of swag that I got, and I don't have it here with me. I really wish I would have brought it, Um, but I keep it on my desk at work. I got it in Las Vegas, and I don't even know what company it was because it's already rubbed off but it's this little beach chair and it's just like a teeny tiny little beach chair and it's a cell phone holder Cute. and it, it, it's adorable. It, it's made out of wood and it has like this little sling back chair and you just pop it open and you put your cell phone on it. And I it. I've had it for years and I used to have to kind of like loan it to people. They'd be like, can we use your beach chair while, while you're gone? And I'm like, yeah, I guess you can. <laughs> yeah. But favorite you know, piece of swag, hoping somebody would eventually bring it back. But, I know. And you know what? I will say, too, there was <laughs> there was a booth. Maybe it was last year or maybe it was a different event. I forget which conference it was at. But, like, I think it was the PT Pack who had wine hour where they were serving wine <laughs> for, it. like, an hour and a half. Free wine, just open bar kind of thing. And you just mm -hmm. stood in line and got wine. So I will say with the networking piece, um, there is some fun to be had with, um, libations. So pace yourself. Don't yes. get too crazy. I will say, especially for the students, um, there's a lot of networking events in the evenings and it's mm -hmm. usually an open bar and open food, which is another way to save is to, you know, not do dinner because they're providing the dinner for you, which is great. Or, you know, the appetizers or something like that. But oftentimes there's drinks that are there. And um, I, I think that Maybe you, people should just be aware that that's a thing um, if that's on both sides, right? It can either be a trigger yeah. point for some people that you should be aware of it um, or 
people it's their first time or hey it's an open bar it's free and go crazy with it and then it gets a little bit unprofessional so stay professional with your libations and your fun that you have <laughs> great tip great tip yes good good information all right okay so next we're going to move on to programming um, because as you have already alluded um, there is a lot to do and I know that I've already kind of looked ahead I I start planning pretty early as to like um, some general concepts of what my day is going to look like because some of our events start at six in the morning so if you're in a certain SIG they can't necessarily fit it in in the day when there's programming so it's either before programming or after programming so I have yeah. one day that starts at 6 a.m. and I have another one that starts from 530 to 7 p.m. so again we're talking day to night so how do you pick out your programming your SIGs that you're gonna go to your special interest group um, meetings mm -hmm. things like that how do you plan your day yep um, once again being intentional is huge and um, if you're picking a course just to go to a course you're gonna be sorely disappointed every single time so like you I, I try to prepare a little bit ahead of time but not too far ahead because courses end up getting canceled um, at last minute so what I typically do they have an app that I've gone on um, of course when you're registering you're kind of looking through and I just kind of pick something at random just to get the registration going um, but then when it gets you know I did this last night actually we're about a week and a half out two weeks out and I started to look at what courses I'm actually going to do when the SIGs are meeting when other people are meeting when I need to create that connection with another group that's you know we just got to connect at some point um, so I look at the scheduling and I plan I usually if if I'm really not blown away by what the description or the title is I'm not gonna pick it and if I have a session time where I don't have anything scheduled I'm okay with that because then it it allows me either a break it allows mm -hmm. me time to go meet with other people or it allows me time to go into the exhibitor hall or it allows me time to go see the city that um, mm -hmm. that we're in so I don't feel guilty if I don't pick a, a program I also do try to pick two programs during the same time frame because if it if one of them gets canceled you have a backup plan or if one of them is to capacity and they can't fit anymore and they don't have an overflow area you have another course to go to yeah. um, so I tend to have two per um, court per time slot and then I I try to keep a planned opening somewhere again mm -hmm. just to pace myself to give myself a little bit of a break yeah. and to relax especially on those days like I've had it where there's a SIG meeting at 6 in the morning and at 530 at night because mm -hmm. I'm in two different ones or yeah. it's at 7 o'clock at night and so now you're going all day long so having those breaks those built-in breaks Mm -hmm. is, is really really helpful um, but your the intent and a couple of things right like again being intentional with the program that you want because there's so many different topics figure out what's going to be the most beneficial to you um, so as clinical coordinators I was really intentional about the education piece but then I don't want to go to all the education pieces just because it's education I also want to get into actual patient care stuff because that's going to help me realize what the newest interventions are so that when I go back to class I can teach that newest intervention stuff mm -hmm. and research in class yep. so balancing things between leadership courses educational courses and actual patient care courses I think is really helpful I think that's a uh, wonderful advice I, I do try to plan um, a break and sometimes it's unplanned um, but I do feel that where you get tired um, because we are going um, so hard so long um, yeah. that I do try to plan a time where I can go back to my room and maybe rest um, mm -hmm. drink some water I'm usually yeah. under hydrated at CSM versus over hydrated so get some water in my system maybe lay down for a little bit and then get refreshed and go back out there so I definitely take breaks as well um, something that is um, can be frustrating so you should probably consider this when you're picking out what you want to go to is that these convention centers are huge mm -hmm. so if you go to one and it's full and there is not a um, external um, a, a, 
what do you call it where you can the overflow overflow uh, thank you yeah yeah, so if they don't have something like that, or if that's full, sometimes that's full too, um, mm -hmm. and you're going to go to your next place, it might be all the way across the convention center. So you might yep. want to have a backup that's somewhat close to where you're going to be, so you don't have right. to walk a mile, show up a half an hour late, and then feel like, why did I even try? <laughs> right. You know, so well, you kind of have to think about that too. And they close down the check-in after a certain amount of time, right? So you can't even check into it. So you can go and attend, but if you're past the window of check-in, now you're not getting credit for that course, even though mm -hmm. you showed up. So you do have to be mindful of the, the physical location, because I've had it to where it's in a completely separate building from the convention center. And now you're like trucking across convention center, plus another building, plus the street. And it, yeah, you end up getting there a little bit late. So you, um, I think that, the APTA has done a decent job of of connecting similar um, groups and similar topics in a relatively close area. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you are really interested in, you know, federal affairs stuff, all the federal affairs is usually going to be on level two or whatever in the same building. If you're interested in acute care, most of the acute care things are generally compacted in the same spot for those reasons that if one is full, you can jump over to the next one and it's still along the same topics, but you're not going across buildings. So um, they, do, they do try to do that. But if you're in wildly different spaces, if you're programming that you're like, oh, I could go to like the hand and, you know, a special interest group, but then I also could go into the neuro special interest group. Like those are so different from each other. They're going to be on opposite ends of the, of the convention center because that's just how it works. Yeah, definitely. You got to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And they do give out all kinds of like maps. And like you said, there's the app yeah. um, that's highly recommended to use. You can kind of yeah. um, drop in what you believe you're going to be going to. And that kind of helps remind you of where you need to go and where the location is. Schedule. A lot yeah. of locations and things to kind of keep in mind helps you um, keep track of what's happening and that kind of stuff while you're out and about. So that's yeah. great advice. Um, something that I struggle with, and I don't know if you have a plan to solve this, is that I get so much information that when I come home, I have a hard time, like, um, how do I, what do I do with this now? Mm -hmm. Like, I've learned all these things, and some of them get a little fuzzy by the time you get home from CSM. Like, what do you, what do, you do with that? 100%. Um, so I take notes, just like I was in school again. You take notes on your stuff. They do have session handouts, so usually they provide you with handouts for whatever course you're taking or, you know, the PowerPoint, the slide deck or things like that. Taking notes is always great, but I like to, during those scheduled break times, I make a summary of my notes or a summary of the session that I went to. Like the three main points that I took away or the two main points that I took away from that course. Um, and sometimes, every once in a while, and this is no disrespect to the people who are putting the course on, but sometimes I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't, like there wasn't great new information, like or I already knew it or something along those lines, or it wasn't, it, it just didn't go the, the way that I thought it was going to go or it didn't end up that way. And so sometimes I don't have any notes for that session. But I can still count it as CEU, so I'll write myself a summary note that just says what the course is, the day and the time that I took that course, so that I that helps me to jog my memory of where I was. And then the summary is like, didn't get anything out of it, just go get the cert. Or the summary is, here's the two or three main points that this is how I can implement it back for what I need it to be. And, and take the best of it. And then if you really need to deep dive more on more information from that, you have the session handouts or um, figure out who the speakers are and just email them directly. I think that's one yep. of an underutilized uh, things is that people who are presenting love to share this information and they want to share this information far and wide. So if you just yep. email them directly, they will be more than happy to talk to you about it and share more information and all their references and sources and framework and whatever they've got. So um, I like to keep track of who the speakers are. Uh, and then that way, once again, going back to networking, you can network with them, you can connect with them on a deeper level, have a personal conversation where they will actually tell you their thoughts on it. Yeah, definitely. And also, if you run into them in the exhibit hall, 
stop them and tell them thank you for what you did you know your, yes. your conversation this is really great and um usually they're more than happy to collaborate and talk and network and um, exchange information so that you can learn a little bit more about their topic um exactly. but yeah definitely reach out to them and talk to them because that really um that really gives them props and hey i mean it's not this isn't an easy thing preparing it's not to, an easy to, thing <laughs> And you're so worried as a presenter, you're so worried about like, did I do a good job? Did I get my message out? Did they like receive it? Well, all the things. So if you can give them a, that little boost of like, hey, you did a great job. It, it's an ego boost, but it's really not. It, we want to make sure that we're doing a good job um, to the audience and, and doing what we need to do. And hearing that it actually worked is nice. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, which takes us to our next topic, which is program or um uh ugh, sorry presenting presenting, <laughs> presenting our, our fourth P and um I'm specifically bringing this up because you are presenting as CSM now mm -hmm. for somebody who's not been to CSM there are different um, ways that information is translated so there's mm -hmm. poster presentations um, there's pl platform presentations and then there's also your educational sessions and programming. So right. the educational sessions and programming are about two hours long, not quite, but mm -hmm. I think they're quite about yeah. two hours. And then yep. you have your platform presentations where there's multiple groups of people presenting mm -hmm. within a time frame of about two hours. And they're what, about 10 or 15 minutes? Yeah, I think they're, I think the total time slot is like 20 minutes with the, with the idea that you're presenting for 10 or maybe 15 and then you leave the rest of the time for conversation gotcha. um, from the audience type of situation. I mean, I'm, you could certainly take up all 20 minutes, but I think the intention is to create dialogue there. Yes, of course. And then you have your poster presentations, which um, I haven't uh, dove into present or um, posters that much. So like sometimes mm -hmm. when I look at a poster, I'm like, wow. You know, I'm just like in awe of like, wow, you look what you've done. I don't know, yeah. you know, what I'm looking at here. But um, so yeah. there's all these different types. So what type of presentation are you doing? I'm doing a platform presentation. And I have to say that I am riding on coattails, <laughs> to be honest with you. So people who are interested in being a presenter at any conference anywhere, and you're trying to figure out how to get your foot in the door to do that, um, I would try to tag on with somebody else if you can. I, I don't know. That's just my like tactic is why reinvent the wheel when I can just help. Um, mm -hmm. So I collaborated with uh, fantastic. She was actually a former uh, PTA educator. She was my PTA educator, and she's now moved on to a DPT program at Creighton University in Phoenix. She was doing a um, research on DPT students and their um, confidence and comfort with delegation to a PTA. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're talking about is confidence levels of student PTAs because it's a new CAPTI requirement that PT programs have to teach on what a PTA is and how to utilize them. So she did um, some research on that and then pulled me and Laura Safa, who's also a program director at a PTA program. She was also my educator when I was in school, um, pulled us in to give a lecture on PTAs, and then we did a integrated clinical experience with PTAs and delegating, and then we're going to follow up with them in, um, well, this coming summer, but basically following them from year one to year two to year three over this over this study. So that, that's what our, yeah, so this is what our platform presentation on is on, and essentially the goal of it is to create the framework for other PT programs to mimic so that they can implement this content into their programs because it's a new CAPTI standard and you have to do it. So instead of having one conversation about it over one class someday in the PT program, mm -hmm. you're now spreading it over the lifetime of the PT student. And now when they come out of PT school, they feel much more confident about what a PTA is how to delegate, what you do know, what you don't know, what you can do, what you can't do, what are the legal ramifications to everything. Um, and you feel much more confident with delegation as opposed to like, hope this works. Um, so that's that's a platform presentation. So we're, we're presenting that in about 10 to 15 minutes. And then we're going to collect some information from the audience about like, what would you want to see and how would you do it differently? And what should be our next steps for this research? Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're excited about that. And 
and again, I think if you're looking to do presentations, it's good if you can come up with a topic that covers the full two-hour presentation, um, the, the full programming things. Just recognize that there's a lot of competition that you're up against. Um, and so you really have to build a strong educational course that lasts for two hours. And what they are gearing away from now is stand up and lecture. They mm -hmm. want it to be engaging. Like we talked about the burnout of programming is because you're sitting listening to a lecture yeah. for nearly eight hours a day. Yep. And after two days of that, you're kind of, your brain just physically can't hold any more information. Yeah. So and as educators, we know that they're, the student only retains, what is it, five to 10% of what is spoken to them. Exactly. So here we are as educators and as PTs and PTAs listening to educational sessions all day long, and we're only going to be taking away like 30% of that Right. Off top, you know, so go ahead. And on top of that, like on top of that, you know, we're PTs and PTAs. Our bodies are not meant to sit in a chair that long. Like we are moving people. We want to be up and walking around and doing stuff. And so you when you're developing a course, yes, de develop the information and the content, but you also have to make it super engaging and active that people are talking back, getting into small groups, um, communicating with you, like you cannot just do a lecture. Um, and if it's a boring lecture at that, I'm sorry, it just, it, is, it can be a boring lecture. I don't care how much time you spent on this research and how many fancy graphs you put up there and how excited you are about it. You're lecturing, I'm going to lose it. And I'm going to get involved into my phone. How many times have you seen people who are trying to quote, take notes on their laptop, and they are just not even taking notes about the session. They're not even in a program or a software system that is relevant to anything related to APTA or CSM. Um, yeah. Or I've even seen it so much where people are falling asleep in the back, like, because you're just so tired. So making it engaging, um, connecting with other people to get onto projects and doing it together as a group is a great way to get into presenting. Mm -hmm. um, and start small. You know, I started presenting, I mean, I know I got into education, but I started presenting as a guest lecturer to just say, hey, pull me in and I can help guest lecture on this topic. Or I can, um, you know, be a, a lab assistant on this in your lab for you if you need an extra set of hands. Yeah. And starting small that way and then building up to the bigger and bigger conferences and bigger projects has really been helpful. Yeah, again, starting at that that base level, you're building that foundation. And um, something that you had mentioned to me was um, building this skill of presenting. Sometimes it's okay to just like cold call your local PT and PTA programs. Like, hey, um, if you ever need somebody to come in and present on a topic or come help out in a lab or whatever, like, you know, just kind of putting yourself out there. But it's it's building that foundation that kind of continues to, to take you to that next level. Um, maybe you're not ready to just right off the bat, apply to present at CSM, but um, you are probably perfectly qualified to go and have a conversation with some PT and PTA students, maybe at a district meeting or something. So 100%. lots of opportunity can come from that. <laughs> Absolutely. And cold calling those PT and PTA programs sounds intimidating and weird, but I tell you what, that your educators will love you for it. Like as educators in PT and PTA programs, we have to give out this information on all these different content topics. Tell you what, I had to teach on um, uh, neuro, like I had taught the whole neuro course. I am an outpatient orthopedic PTA. I am mm -hmm. by no means qualified to teach the neuro content. Like I understand it and on a basic level I could present to it, but I'm certainly not qualified in neuro at all. So when I knew I had a friend that I could call up that I networked with through APTA mm -hmm. stuff and through conferencing, yep. I was like, hey, can you come talk about this stuff? Can you come teach them this stuff? And then it took the burden off of me as the educator to teach it. I knew it was going to be done correctly because I knew mm -hmm. they had the, the good information and it just worked. So we use guest lectures all the time for pelvic health therapy and pediatrics and um, balance stuff or special equipment like the Riften or the, you know, all the fancy equipment stuff, I always bring it or orthotics and prosthetics. Like if you're not a subject matter expert in those content areas, somebody is, 
Yeah. So to the audience who's looking to present, call up those court, those programs to say, can I come talk about this or help you with this topic? I'm a subject matter expert in it. And I guarantee you they'll call you. Now, the trick is, like I said before, when you're networking, when you network with one person, it might not come to fruition right away. You might have to wait a little bit because the course isn't offered until the fall and you're mm -hmm. calling them in January. So you might yeah. have to wait a little bit, but it'll happen for you. So give it some time um, and get your foot in the door and I guarantee you your educators will love you for it. And then you get the experience of present presenting and creating a course, working out all the bugs, figuring out what kind of presenter you are to build up to the bigger ones. Yes, and it's going to be more exciting than listening to somebody read off of a slide. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. again, I, I, I've had that before too where there's been a topic that I was like, I mean, I think I can get through it, but I yep. felt like I was just reading off of the slides. And everybody knows that's not fun. Nobody wants to hear you read off of a slide. And so if you are not an expert in that area where you can bring the, the passion and the experience and the life experiences in with it, it's not going to translate the same to the to the Right. Audience. And I think the hard part with um, presenting and educating people is if you're if you're not that that SME where you can really do all those things. Yeah, you either present off of a, a PowerPoint slide and you're just reading to them or what a lot of educators do is why don't you get into a small group and you read this chapter or this section of the chapter, you read that section of a chapter, you read that part, put it on a board and then you present it back to the class. And so now they're delegating it off to the students to teach themselves and teach mm -hmm. the rest of the class about a topic that they're not well versed in. And every single time it comes back as poor, um, the survey re results come back as really, really poor because you really didn't teach me anything. I, I could have done this on my own and I'm telling yeah. you, I've already read the textbook and I still don't understand it. I need that extra explanation. Yeah. And then you didn't give it to me and you made me get, learn it from a classmate. Mm -hmm. Oh, you it's my pet peeve of life. Yeah. Yeah, you need that. You need that um, that real experience that you bring with it that actually brings it to life. And and yeah. and this is another topic for another day. You and I we're gonna have to do another podcast. I already yeah. recognize this, but you know that's the value of clinical education. You know um, things like insurance and billing. You know I can stand up there and right. I can talk about it all day long, but until a student sees it in the clinic, that's mm -hmm. when it clicks. I can exactly. give them examples, I can give them paper patients, I can give them a video to watch and then we figure it out and they, they have to see sense. it and touch it and feel it in order for mm -hmm. it to click and make sense. So, 100%. Yeah. Hey, this has been a great conversation. So much yes. information. Super excited to share this with everybody. But would you go ahead and close um, this podcast out today with what your plus point is? Do you have any wise words of advice? Um, something that you want to relate to the audience, anything um, that you've just been burning to share with the world? <laughs> I think my plus point is, um, and I've said it several times, is being intentional. I think, and that sounds like a really buzzwordy um, thing among social media and, and influencers and whatever, but truly being intentional with your goals and your ideas and your passion. Um, and I say that only because I've seen so much on social media through the different PTA groups who are frustrated with burnout and am I being treated ethically in the course, you know, in my, in my company, am I making enough money? Is there anywhere that you can make more money? And I, I want to just say that there, the grass is not always greener. You're just trading one problem in for another. Um, every company is going to have its downfalls. Every job that you have is going to have bad things. But if you are intentional with what your goals are and you recognize, like like I've said before, I'm a program director over Allied Health of online programs. That's absolutely nothing to do with PTA or anything, but that's not my end goal. But it's an intentional goal of being in this position to earn the leadership to get the experience to qualify me for the next thing that I'm going for. So it is an intentional thought out move and I'm not going to um, go through it with just like ugh, counting the days down until I can get that next job. No, what can I learn from it? What do I need from this? Why, you know, even though this is the, the muddy stuff that I don't care about or I don't want to deal with or it's really burning me out or frustrating, I got to learn something from it 
so that I can recognize it faster next time, I can improve upon it later, or it can build me up to something. Um, so being really intentional with your work, your passion, your goals, to make sure that you are doing what you need to do to get where you want to go and to be happy with it. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Thank you so much, Casey, for jumping on today. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. You are definitely a subject matter expert at all things conference and um, presentations and networking and all of that. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this knowledge with everybody. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk again here real soon, like very soon. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'll see you in a few weeks. All right. Thanks. The PTA Plus podcast is hosted and produced by Katie Sutton in collaboration with PT Pinecast host and CEO, Jimmy McKay. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PTA Plus podcast, where the conversation is for PTAs by PTAs. This show is for educational purposes only and not intended for clinical decision making, while care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. Become part of the PTA Plus podcast family by liking, sharing, and subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts.